Now, the Electoral Commission of South Africa says it has received more than 70 complaints relating to digital disinformation a month after launching a pilot project aimed at combining digital disinformation via the online reporting platform. Earlier the, uh, this month, the IEC and Media Monitoring Africa launched a real www.141.org.za uh, uh, website to deal with complaints about language that incites violence, discrimination and the publication of false and defamatory allegations about parties during the lead-up to today's general election. Well, joining me on the line to look at these complaints and how they've been uh, coming in and how they've been able to deal with it, uh, I am joined on the line by the vice um, uh, by the executive director, my apologies, at Media Monitoring Africa, Mr. William Bird. Uh, Mr. Bird, good evening. Thank you much, so much for making yourself available. I know you are. You must be inundated with work. All right. Good evening, Karima. Thanks for having me on the program. It's good to be on on this exciting day. Yeah, now the the IEC says it's received more than 70 complaints relating to digital disinformation. Um, and, of course, um, uh, Janet Love, the vice chairperson of the IEC, said in a statement yesterday, the complaints received had highlighted the challenges of combating disinformation, and she added that there was a continuing need for education regarding what constitutes disinformation. And I'm going to quote her, and she says, at the time, the number of complaints and interactions demonstrated demonstrate that South Africans are taking time to engage with political messaging and reporting in digital media. Now we have seen how digital media has become a really terrible, um, toxic place where people are often attacked, uh, where ad hominem attacks are launched on individuals. Just take us through what you've received so far. What has been the most egregious um, disinformation uh, that you've received and how have you dealt with it, William? So as of uh, a couple of hours ago, we've uh, now had about uh, just over 90 uh, complaints. Uh, so you now have 90, not 70 anymore. Yeah, that was um, yeah, you know, when I, the yesterday or the day before. I forget which now. I'm losing uh-huh. track of time these days. But it's now over 90. And, um, and, and so look, I think it's uh, you know in, in line with what the commissioner said, people are taking the time to... Uh, engage with these things and we're finding that yeah. there are three broad kinds of complaints hmm. the first are where people take issue with comments from political parties so we saw complaints about things you know a, a party leader would have gone out and made a claim about how well they've done uh, yes. in whatever area and then like the DOD well, on jobs in the western Cape. yeah that was one so people complained about that as a claim and again that's so while that might be misinformation, and again, misinformation in that instance is spreading false information, but without intent to cause harm or undermine the electoral process, mm. as opposed to things like, and the, and, the, and, the, and the great trivial one that's received a lot of coverage today is the thing that said, if you have false nails, you know, you won't, they'll make you take them off or they won't let you vote. <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds funny, right? but actually yeah. in, a, in a scenario like ours, it could have a, a detrimental impact or the one that yeah people could just think I'm not going to take my nails off so I'm not going to even bother going to the station to the voting station exactly so then all you get the ones that say you know you must take your own pen with you because they, I see will give you a pencil and then they'll they you know who yes, they yes I, I got that too and mark your vote 
And that kind of thing is, is a lot more dangerous. And then yeah. you've got ones that are also saying, you know, today is the day you go and vote for Party A. I forget which one it is. Tomorrow you vote for Party B, and on Friday you vote for Party C. Mm. So suggesting that there were different days that you would vote for different parties somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, again, clearly crazy if you think about it. But, you know, South Africa is a, is a place where, where things are so crazy you could believe anything, actually. So there have been those things that have emerged um, very recently. Otherwise, some of the more insidious things are where people have been asked to uh, undermine uh, usually parties and stuff. And then I've mm. got a few about... Uh, going after individuals, and, and of course the most worrying trend uh, that we've witnessed is the, is the ongoing um, attacks against journalists, which form, often form part of this uh, concerted campaign. And there, it's not necessarily the, the messages themselves aren't necessarily yeah. disinformation per se, but as you only too well aware, they often just form, uh, you know, vitriol and, and, and spewing of hatred and, and vile abuse, really. Uh, yeah. But certainly what the impact of those is to try and encourage journalists to self-centre and to discourage people from reporting on the things that are going on. Absolutely. And of course, the danger of that, William, is that it has a chilling effect. I mean, people uh, self-censor. Journalists have actually admitted that they don't want to be the source of the news. Uh, They don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be laughed at. They don't want to be made fun of. And so they actually, um, you know, censor themselves when they interact with authority figures, uh, whether it be political parties, the IEC, the police, but anybody in authority uh, who has the ability to kind of make you look small on national television. I mean, most things are live these days. People are tweeting and so on. Um, What is the damage to our democracy when that chilling effect actually takes place? I mean, it's difficult to actually quantify, but what is clear about it is that it is a fundamental threat to our democracy. You know, the the moment you start getting journalists self-censoring because of the fact that they are exposing themselves to attack it's a, it's, a, it's a fundamental problem for our democracy and that means that they can't report freely and that doesn't mean that people shouldn't engage with them or even engage robustly but it does yeah. mean that, that they start to self-censor A and also what we see is that they then also tend to withdraw yes. from those platforms which means that you and then instead of getting different and more diverse content you then yeah. tend to get a lot more of the same so it's got a, 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 a multiplicity of, of, of impacts because you get self-censorship of those people. You then get them withdrawing. But also, critically, all of the younger journalists and the ones yes. who maybe don't have that level of experience or that profile, yeah. they see these very, very prominent, usually and frequently female, uh, powerful media figures being shredded. And mm. they go, I don't want to expose myself to that. Why yeah. would I do something as completely mad as that? Yeah, uh, and then they immediately, so they don't even need to be attacked to start to uh, self-censor, and, and that's and that sort of thing means that you've got a, uh, you know, that the, that the thugs are winning those kinds of battles. And the moment you allow that, it says that you know you've let a little part of democracy die. Absolutely. Now, the 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 kind of unlimited unlimited. Um, uh, scope and space that social media has uh, makes it an ideal vehicle for disinformation because you can reach millions of people, uh, you know, with a click of a button. Um, how have you managed to um, 
you know, curb this uh, with this initiative? Are you able to make Twitter aware of disinformation and that they must remove the, the information or talk to the person who's put the disinformation there? Where do you take your complaints once you've received it uh, from people um, to these social media platforms? And what has been the level of cooperation that you've gotten from people like Twitter, like Google, like Facebook? So they've tended to respond fairly positively, actually. So what happens is once a complaint is submitted, it then gets assessed by a committee of experts, and that occurs under the auspices of the Directorate of Electoral Offences. And once they've uh, gone through each and every complaint, it then gets uh, a final decision gets taken by the IEC commissioners themselves, and they can then ask for a takedown notice on, on yes. certain things. Um, and, the, and the platforms have responded well to those uh, those issues because we have been trying to engage with them. Of course, we know that there's global critique of the platforms and an, and an increasing awareness that says we can't allow these platforms to just carry on without taking some kind of stronger action against this, these ongoing kinds of attacks. Yeah. Because these people are getting clever such that the attacks that they might level aren't necessarily yes. going to violate the individual rules of each of the platforms. Mm, mm. But collectively viewed, they are, you know, just just pure and plain harassment. So we are looking at, better, at, at needing to find better ways of doing that. And what Real one one has done for the first time anywhere in the world is to take yes. that process of, of evaluating and, and, and the complaints process and taking it outside mm. of the platforms themselves and locating it within a South African constitutional framework. Yes. And so for this as a first effort, I think it's pretty amazing that we've done that. We've got a process. It works. I think, you know, there are all going to be all sorts of improvements that we're going to want to make to, to take it forward. But it gives us a really powerful platform to start to deal with these platforms in a way that means that they're going to have to sit up and take notice. Whether they do that around the world, well, you know, that they, they, they may well do so. But certainly... Uh, you know, we're not going to let them get away with it because the option for the platforms is that if they don't do that, they're going to face the kind of extreme things that none of us want, which is what you see around the world generally, which is they then do a complete social media shutdown. And we don't want that either. Absolutely. A final question to you, William Bird. The... Um you know, the, the, the fact that you are able to hold these people accountable um, and get them to comply uh, is, of course, a major victory uh, on the one hand. But a lot of people will say you are censoring people. Uh, people are allowed to say what they want to say. Um, and I like the fact that you don't talk about fake news. You talk about disinformation uh, because fake news, the term has been abused. I mean, someone like Donald Trump, whenever he doesn't agree with what someone says, then he just says it's fake news. We've seen some uh, people in South Africa use the same term. Um, how do you go about proving that what people are saying is disinformation? What's your fact-checking process, uh, and why are you calling it disinformation as opposed to fake news? Yeah, pretty much for the reason you outlined. You know, fake news is a problematic term because it tends to be used by people wanting to undermine credible media and yes. to dispute everything that they say. And it doesn't just dispute that, it disputes all credible news media at the same time um, and it's not helpful and yeah. because on a simple basis if something is fake it can't actually be news so yes. it's a really it's a clever catchy term used by people that are trying but to it actually means nothing freedom. yeah it, it, and it's used to undermine media freedom and democracy itself it really is fundamentally an unhelpful term so when we look at disinformation we say 
it's got to meet a series of tests and there's specific guidelines that have been developed to help assess yes. So it's got to be dissemination of false news. So if you look at that easy example I cited earlier around false fingernails, yes. the simple answer there is just we know that isn't the case. Then yeah. it's got to be spread with malicious intent to undermine the elections or to cause harm or the electoral process. And there you may say, well, yes, there's a very real um, chance that it might do that. And what is the intent in developing this message and in spreading that message and encouraging people to believe it. And Absolutely. when you answer those three things, then you can say, yes, this does meet that test or yeah. doesn't. And it might be false news, it might be misinformation, but then it's not going to be something that you can then necessarily have removed. And again, it's, a, it's, it's about taking proportionate and appropriate uh, action in response to each of these cases. I think this is the important issue where you're talking about proportionate and appropriate reaction to the misinformation. Uh, William Bird, the Executive Director of Media Monitoring Africa, speaking to us uh, there on the uh, collaboration that they have with the IEC to stop uh, the dissemination of false information uh, about the elections. It's just coming up for 10 to 9. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to our reporter in KwaZulu-Natal. It has been identified as a flashpoint. We know some voting stations hasn't opened, so we'll get all the latest news from our reporter.